Hello, it's 29th of February 2020 and this is episode 133 of Scavengers Horde, a Styles podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Styles news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the series. And how has your week in Star Wars been, Rachel? It's been pretty good. Um, most of the drama has hit in the last 24 hours with um, uh, excerpts from the novelization of The Rise of Skywalker hitting Twitter, but we're not going to talk about that in depth right now because, yeah, it's not fair to discuss a whole book when you just have a few odd pages to go on. Of course not. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's been the main focus this week in my Twitter sphere, Star Wars wise. How about you, Kirsty? Um, I'm still making my way through a Clone Wars rewatch, so awesome. I still haven't watched any of season seven yet. I'm trying to control myself, not skip forward. I'm on season four at the moment. Um, just trying to watch episodes here and there <laughs> as I have the time. It's going to be a bit challenging, but still really enjoying it. And yeah, just, I don't know. It's, uh, it feels different this time for some reason. Mm. I feel like because last time I watched it just after TFA, I was in like real sequel trilogy mode. Right. Whereas now like the whole saga is finished supposedly. So you can like step back and uh, take your time revisiting an entirely different era. So I can kind of focus on the prequels a bit more. Nice. Yeah. That makes sense. Like say my, goal is to hopefully actually steam through it for the first time when we can actually get Disney Plus in this country. So yeah, we will see if that actually happens. Because <laughs> I don't want to up, make a right? fan promise. Yeah, no, it is coming up pretty soon. I keep on seeing adverts in my Twitter feeds t- promising me that I'll get it this cheap if I pay for a year up front. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not happening. Yeah, don't do that. I did that. Um, just It seemed easy at the time. And it was saving me a bit of money. But after The Mandalorian finished, I was like, oh... I've watched a couple of the Disney films and uh, there's just not as much as I thought there might be. Mm. Like I find myself watching Netflix and stuff a lot more. Yeah. So, you know, it is useful while I'm doing my Clone Wars rewatch. And I'll probably rewatch Rebels afterwards as well, to mm. be honest. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, they do have season two of Resistance on Disney Plus now. So nice. if anyone missed that, I would recommend going and watching that because we love Resistance. Yeah. And we will do an episode on Resistance, I promise. <laughs> I know it's been such a long time. It's crazy. It's this weird state of like, everything's finished. So it's like, what do we talk about? But also there's so much to talk about. Exactly. Yes. I think the problem is that everything finished at the same time. Because uh-huh. it was Rise of Skywalker. And then Resistance finished a few weeks after that, when we were still in post-Rise of Skywalker haze. And one in the right headspace to talk about resistance. And Mandalorian obviously finished at the same time as Rise of Skywalker. So yeah, it's just a bit tricky. Yeah, it's thinking about it, it's a bit odd that it all happened that way. I guess resistance ties into the sequel trilogy, although actually one of my critiques of it is that it didn't tie in as much as I'd hoped by the mm, end of it. Yeah. Um but the Mandalorian, yeah, it's just interesting that everything kind of wrapped up around the same time and that's a lot for a fandom to process and kind of try and prioritise things. Um, yeah, I wonder what that was about. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's an interesting choice. It now feels <laughs> like we are in a bit of a dry spell. And obviously we have new Clone Wars episodes, but yeah, that's like dribs and drabs compared to what December was like. So, yeah. But leading into the news, mm-hmm. we do have a big announcement for future content. We do. That was a very good segue, Kirsty. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the big news in Star Wars for this week is that Project Luminous has finally been revealed after so, so long of it being teased as the be all and end all. 
Um, I do have like a press release um, and I'll just read a brief paragraph. There's also lots of quotes from people extolling how wonderful it is, but we obviously don't want to read out everything so we'll be here a long time. So yeah, Star Wars The High Republic, which has previously been referred to as Project Luminous, will be set in an era when the Galactic Republic and the Jedi Order are at their zenith, about 200 years before the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. This period on the Star Wars timeline will not overlap with any of the filmed features or series currently planned for production, giving creators and partners a vast amount of room to tell Star Wars stories with new adventures and original characters. This was a golden age for the Jedi, and also a time of galactic expansion in the Outer Rim, so expect there to be rich tales of exploration, charting out the galaxy, meeting new cultures, and discovering what pioneer life in the Outer Rim was like. This is an incredible sandbox for our storytellers to play in, both within publishing and beyond, and we can't ex and we can't wait to see the great fiction they build within it, says Lucasfilm Vice President, Franchise Content and Strategy, James War. Sorry, it's so corporate, <laughs> I love it. Well, it is a press release. Of course, yeah, yeah, it's always going to be corporate. Yeah, like, it's not necessarily a bad thing, I just find it funny. What are your feelings about Project Luminous, beyond relief that we finally know what Project Luminous <laughs> is? We don't have to keep calling it Project Luminous. Yes. Um... I remember way back when we first heard about it, we were like, okay, well, Luminous, we're coming up to the 40th year anniversary of uh, Empire. Maybe it will be like a from a certain point of view book, but focusing on Empire as opposed to New Hope. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of where my expectation levels were. And then very recently, there have been rumors about what it's going to be, the High Republic stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, w I wasn't like shocked, you know, um, but I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, I like all of the writers who have been announced to be involved. I remember thinking that when they were first announced. I was like, okay, I like all of these people. I hadn't read, at the mo at the time, I hadn't read Spark of the Resistance by Justina Ireland. Um, but I really love that book for focusing more on Ray and Rose's friendship. Because, of course, we didn't get that in the movie. Mm. Um, and also all of these other writers, especially Claudia Gray and Charles Saul, have been really enjoying the Kylo Ren comic. Um, but Kevin Scott also wrote um, Jedi Lost, which we both really liked. And Daniel Jose Older wrote Last Shot. So really great group of writers. And finally, something brand new. Mm. Um, so seems like fertile ground. So we just got to wait and see. Yep, exactly. I'm, I kind of have like semi-mixed feelings about it. Because first of all, I do think it's really sensible. And I understand why they've decided to go into a completely fresh era where things are much more free for them and then not beholden to what the filmmakers are doing and yeah I think that's a good thing because that can only really give these authors much more creative freedom and the ability to truly tell the stories they want to tell um, which is fantastic and I also like that there's clearly so much like effort and love being poured into this endeavour because already just with the launch stuff they've revealed all this amazing concept art they've brought in concept artists like Ian McCaig for example who worked on the films to do art for the Project Luminous world and characters and it looks really amazing it looks really cool so you can tell that they're focusing lots of their energies on this era basically which is great I think the only reason I'm a bit more mixed is because I don't know part of me wanted to see the sequel trilogy stuff explored a bit more before we moved on from it you know, I feel like they've 
built up this new fan base of people who really care about the new characters and the situation in the sequel trilogy timeline and then that's instantly being dropped it feels like beyond stuff like a Poe prequel novel when he was a teenager and (laughs) I don't know maybe I'm being pessimistic and they will come through with more material about that era it's just a bit disappointing you know so I feel like there's so much fertile ground especially between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens but yeah that's gonna have to be very much a wait and see game I definitely expect them to explore those areas. Yeah. um, I'm kind of glad. I I totally get what you mean. I'm a huge fan of the sequel trilogy era. I'm a huge fan of those characters. And I want to know how they got to that point. But um, part of the reason we were so dissatisfied with The Rise of Skywalker was because things felt so obviously rushed. Mm, Yeah. They really... I don't know why they had to keep to this every two-year schedule. They really didn't need to do that to themselves it's Disney's greed I guess but uh, I think that was the reason for a lot of the problems, it's it's the underlying thing anyway, why they had to bring people in who didn't necessarily have their heart in it Um, things just felt rushed Yeah, and um, if they just give it a little more time kind of leave that era to breathe a little bit um, yeah because it, I mean, I don't know but I I just think it might not be a terrible thing to kind of step back and really think about the kind of stories you want to tell in that era, not just kind of rush in because it's what's hot right now. Yeah. Um, because once it's written, it's written forever. It's part of the overall myth. And that's kind of the problem that I have with The Rise of Skywalker. Yes, of course. <laughs> because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of starting more to make my peace with that movie, but in a, in a way that I'm like, I'm never going to fully accept it because some of its choices just seem so out of line with where... I understood that things elsewhere were in the galaxy and what kind of story they were trying to tell. So if they take their time with it and just come back to it once they genuinely have a story that they want to tell in that time period, um, I think it's kind of good to focus on something like this right now. And I I know they say that it's going to be like disconnected from everything else. And I, I believe that in that it's set 200 years before The Phantom Menace, which is a decent chunk of time. But what I'm hoping is that as part of the overall connected story we get to see what happens to the Jedi to kind of give them that stick up their ass that they have by the time the prequel era rolls around. Because the idea, right, is that in Project Luminous time, High Republic time, they're at their peak. So what happens, and we've they've got this vague description of the great disaster, whatever that could be. <laughs> the great calamity. And yeah, so it's like biblical almost, right? Like yeah. something huge changes... Uh, the galaxy and will change the Jedi's attitude that will eventually lead to their collective downfall and I find I think that's an interesting premise yeah no I agree it's really interesting one of the things that stuck out to me the most is they described it as sort of a Jedi Knights of the Round Table vibe Mm. so clearly like drawing upon Arthurian myth and legend which is really cool and one of the key aspects of Arthurian myth and legend is about the loss of that ideal basically you have the knights of the round table and arthur and his court it's this absolute ideal of what a court should be like and what kingliness should be like but then through their own corruption and moral degeneracy it all falls away basically and like lancelot and guinevere have an affair and arthur dies and everything sort of dwindles and that golden age is lost so that to me is the most interesting story because 
yeah, I think most people, they're not so much interested in why people are perfect and why people are held up as an ideal. Is They're interested in when does that inevitably come to an end and why does it come to an end? Hmm. What if we got a scandalous love affair and that paved the way for the reason why in the prequels they're like, no, you can't fall in love. Yeah, you see, I would love that. I think that would be <laughs> awesome because that's obviously totally our jam on this podcast. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. Like, yeah, there's lots of very attractive people in this concept art being released for Project Luminous. So, oh, sorry, I need to learn to call it the High Republic now, don't I? <laughs> I'm just so trained to call it Project Luminous. Um, yeah, so there's clearly lots of characters that I would love to see fall in love. So, yeah. You can see Wookiee cross human romance. No, sorry. No. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Yeah. Um, also, I was reading an article on StarWars.com that said, you know, that cover is the Charles Saul one, The Light of the Jedi, mm-hmm. the blonde woman with yeah. the tiara. Uh-huh. Apparently, that character hears the Force like it's music. She hears ah, it as a song. That's so cool. I love that. That's a really beautiful concept. And that is one of the two books, along with Claudia Gray's book, that I'm definitely most excited for because yeah, Charles Soule is so talented and he's done such a great job with the Kylo Ren comic that yeah, I'm willing to follow him wherever he shall go. So I feel like that's one of the few novels that I can be guaranteed to buy, basically. Yeah, and they've only announced the first round. I think it's going to be much more than what they're showing us initially. Absolutely, Um, yeah. So yeah, the Claudia Gray novel, Into the Dark. Mm -hmm. Um, That looks like it might have an element of romance. The cover sets me up to believe that. (laughs) Yeah, so it's. I think the description was something like, it's a Jedi who doesn't really want to leave Coruscant. He'd rather stay there studying the archives. So you've got... (laughs) cute little nerd boy yes and he runs into the daughter of a a shipping magnate so someone rich and influential so again you've got kind of contrasting lives coming together there um i think that could be really fun yeah i think that's really nice to see people from different worlds yeah cross that border fall in love yeah and a wookie with a cross guard saber (laughs) which is super cool yeah i got (laughs) Uncle Chewie and, and Ben feels there. Yeah. Um, although I've seen a lot made of the fact that it's a Wookiee Jedi. We already had a Wookiee Jedi Padawan in the Clone Wars. So. Oh, okay. I was about to say, where it's did that thing. happen? But then when you said the yeah, Clone Wars, it's... I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I haven't seen them. Season five, so I'm not there on my rewatch yet, but I do remember him. So. Okay, nice. Um, yeah, no, it only yeah. makes sense. It's like, well, all the other aliens forget to be Jedi <laughs> to some extent, so why not the Wookiees? Yeah, I think the danger with this project was that they had amped it up for so long, like we've said before, that everyone would kind of have their hopes for what it would be, knowing that, of course, it wasn't like obligated to be exactly what they were thinking it might be. But um, it's kind of interesting because there's been this conversation around it, like whether, and we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, whether Star Wars should be moving kind of forward or backward. Mm, Um, So this is going backward in terms of chronologically in the eras, but I... I didn't realize that for a lot of people, they're also talking about in-universe chronology when they say they want Star Wars to go forward. Yeah. Like, that's that's what matters to them. But when I say it personally, I'm, I mean thematically, like the questions that it's raising, um, whether we get new characters, whether there's better representation that we had with the original trilogy and the prequels. So setting something in the past doesn't mean to me that it's going to be kind of old in terms of like irrelevant ideas. Yeah. Um, so if you're feeling that way, like maybe just 
wait and see but I, I get it people can be disappointed when things don't line up with what they want yeah it's like backward looking would have been like a whole line of novels set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi it's like can you imagine yeah well I think the, the, the comics do pretty good with that kind of yeah, thing yeah no so. exactly so that line is covered but yeah like it would have been upsetting if they tried to launch that as the next exciting thing and it was like oh okay yeah, so if this succeeds at raising more questions and exploring, you know, almost like what Luke does in The Last Jedi, exploring the concept of the Jedi and the idea of these legendary, unbreakable heroes that are actually tested and found fallible and human, that to me is interesting. Yeah. So just because it's set in the past from what we know where things go, it doesn't mean that it has to be like stale. And the the authors um that they've chosen are diverse i saw daniel jose older on twitter saying that we can absolutely expect queer characters within these stories awesome um a lot of the concept art and the covers have shown people of color so i'm excited yeah no i think there's lots of huge potential for cool stories in this era and yeah i think the fact that it does embrace such new territory means it really will live or die on the strength of these stories being told. And yeah, when there's creators like Charles Soule and Claudia Gray involved, I feel pretty confident that we can trust them to do something really cool and exciting. Yeah, and it's nice that it's like a cohesive, organised project. Um, you know, they they released that kind of cheesy video of them like writing on whiteboards together and yes. getting really excited. Um, I thought I think that's cute because they're yeah. all, you know they're collaborating. Sorry, cute's probably kind of patronising, but um, it it seemed like you know they were telling stories with actual ideas rather than because at the end of the day we know that we've got a couple of years here where we're not going to get a movie. Yeah. So it's better to have this and to have just like isolated novels released like overall that period that like don't really have wider implications for anything don't feel connected like this feels like a good project to have in the meantime yeah no absolutely so yeah like i'm looking forward to these novels coming out basically and yeah it will be fun to discuss them when they do do you reckon you might make an exception to your no buy era Kirsty? Um... or it'll be like a library situation I think it might be a library situation first. The yeah. only thing I've cheated on, I'm actually really proud of myself. To those who don't know, and you, you probably don't care, I'm doing a buy nothing year. Mm. So I'm not buying yourself anything new, including books. Um, so I've been using the library a lot. And um, I did cheat. I bought the Knives Out Blu-ray with a gift card that I had. Nice. Uh, but aside from that, I'm doing really well. Um, so yeah, the, I think the first ones, they come out around celebration. So that's August, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I'll see. Maybe they'll be available. If I can put a hold in at the library really quickly, maybe I'll get <laughs> yes. one. No, um, exactly. That's the dream. But yeah, that's really impressive. Even to do it for two months is really good. Most people would have broken by now, I think. So well done. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, and that's one of the reasons that I'm not getting the Tross novelization either. But Again, library situation. <laughs> exactly. It's the library. Libraries are wonderful. We should all use them more. Yeah, no, exactly. The lifeblood of a civilization. Um, okay, cool. So then the next one is another bit of news, which is that there is a new Star Wars film in development. And I will just read out the first bit. 
Director J.D. Dillard and Luke Cage writer Matt Owens have been tapped to develop a project, but it is unclear whether it's theatrical or a Disney Plus release. J.D. Dillard is best known for writing and directing the sci-fi thriller Slate, and Matt Owens is a writer on the Marvel shows Luke Cage and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Plot, character, and setting details are unknown, and are being kept in the murky underworld of Exegol. <laughs> that caused so much trouble, I'll explain I in a know. minute. I know, so I saw funny. people thinking that it was genuinely about Exegol. I'm like, why, why did you write that intentionally confusingly? You know that people skim these kind of things. Yeah, a silly Hollywood reporter journalist. It's like, <laughs> you can trust people to actually read every word you write, I'm afraid. Um, it's also unclear whether Dillard would direct. Should the project move forward... The Dillard project is understood to be unrelated to a Star Wars film pitch by Marvel Studios chief Kevin Feige and potential work from Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson. So do you have any feelings about this, Kirsty? Obviously it's so difficult because there's so little here, <laughs> basically. it's A project is in development and I think we're both in the situation where we haven't really seen anything done by these guys, right? Yeah, I haven't seen anything so I'm not the best person to ask. Mm. Um so yeah it's like okay doesn't really mean much to me right now um nice to see a black man actually being considered direct direct star wars though yeah absolutely yeah and to me the main takeaway from this is that it clearly shows that they're still developing lots of ideas there's still lots going on in the film division even though we're not going to see anything from it for a, a while basically um so yeah i wouldn't count on any of these specific projects going forward right now i think they're just developing lots of stuff and figuring out hopefully what actually has the best potential and then they'll go from there and make a decision on what they're actually going to make going forward exactly like there's i don't know there must be so much in development at various stages right now yeah um just because we're not hearing about it doesn't mean it's not happening so uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see whether it's theatrical or Disney Plus because everything else, Star Wars, aside from publishing, of course, seems to be funneling into Disney Plus. Kind of Bob Iger reflected that in his recent call um, that they'd seen the success of The Mandalorian and kind of want to focus on that for a little bit. Um, but again, this could be stuff that's like five, six, even seven, eight years away. Yeah. So who knows? Exactly. One interesting thing I did see is yesterday someone posted that Disney have put out a new release calendar for their upcoming films mm. and on that release calendar they still have December 2022 set as the release date for the next Star Wars movie mm. which kind of surprises me because me too. yeah I really did think that might be falling to the wayside but yeah like it'll be great if that does happen but at the same time I only want that to happen if they're really confident that they have something really cool to put out there because yeah i want them to learn from the mistakes of the sequel trilogy and really take their time and create something awesome that has a plan behind it before actually going forward yeah 2022 isn't actually that far away so is it like you know would that be announced pretty soon would we have to wait until celebration for that um it'll be here before we know it so yeah yeah i would expect to hear something official about that relatively soon yeah so i like i'm obviously not an expert in how film production works but my guess is it would have to film in 2021 and to be ready in 2022 basically right so that would mean next year yeah so that would mean they'd be writing it right now if not Mm. having already developed scripts that they're just refining 
So, yeah, who knows? Hopefully they will announce something substantial at Celebration. But I think historically they haven't used Celebration to make announcements. It's more, here's stuff we've already talked about that we're going to give you a bit more information on. So, yeah, it might even be separate from that. Yeah. Wasn't there something a while back that they were working with, like, a female writer? Um, And I think there were rumours about it being Old Republic, although I don't know how well-founded they were. Yeah. No, there were those rumours. I feel like that was a couple of years ago now. Um, And, yeah, I'd love to see something like that come to fruition. But, yeah, who knows? (laughs) It's so hard to talk (laughs) about future films with stars right now. It's like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So... We'll see if anything else comes out apart from that i've still got my fingers crossed for that potential work from last jedi director ryan johnson yeah like i'm really really not counting on that because i oh, feel like same. ryan has much bigger and better things open to him now than the trash fire that is lucasfilm <laughs> <laughs> sorry i sound really cynical but yeah no uh, you're right honestly i mean we can't know how ryan feels about the rise of skywalker mm. um he is very professional so he's been very positive but vague in his comments when he's been asked yes from my perspective i'm like he had an amazing success with knives out he's writing a sequel to it living his best life and we'll support him that way but god i would love more star wars from ryan oh god yeah i think he'd be the perfect person to craft a new direction so even the people i've seen who say they don't like the last jedi a lot of the time the sort of things they're saying they suggest that they only didn't like it because it was dealing with pre-established characters so i think if he were working in a completely new context for star wars with new characters that no one has prior attachments to i think it could be a massive hit i think that's it i think the sequel trilogy was really weirdly handled because they were like clearly wanted to cash in on the nostalgia of the ot which i can understand obviously um but then also, of course, Ryan came on and wanted to do something interesting with those characters. And he did, but it was always going to alienate some fans. Because um, it's it's hard to see a hero stumble and struggle, especially when they've been heroes of yours since you were a child and it's been decades since then. Um, so I, you've always got the haters that are like seriously extreme, sending people death threats, um, think that it's absolute heresy that you have a female lead and people of colour in your movies and I think those people who hate Ryan, you know, they're a lost cause, to be honest. Yeah. They're they're just hating for completely different reasons, but people who were just uncomfortable with the way he wrote Luke, that's fair, you know, The Last Jedi isn't going to movie for everyone, just like The Rise of Skywalker isn't a movie for everyone. Um, so yeah, I think you're right, if he came back and did something totally new, totally new characters, you know, people just aren't as initially invested in that, they don't have the horse in the race so they can just sit back and enjoy a movie about new characters so that would be ideal but i would be surprised like you if he did decide to do that now yeah exactly we will see time will tell all things okay cool so let's move on to our final news story for this week's this week's is just a very short episode to tide people over because it's been a while since i've actually done a show because last week's episode was kirsty and our amazing panel um, thank you, you for editing that by the way oh no worries you're welcome it was actually quite enjoyable um to not have to hear my own voice <laughs> change. <laughs> um so yeah it was cool and it was a really interesting discussion so yeah it was fun to listen to um but yeah the final news story this time is that bob Iger has been replaced with another bob <laughs> um which is a headline i'm particularly proud of due to the stunning originality <laughs> 
yeah, so would you like to read out the news story from Variety, Kirsty? Sure, but I don't know how to pronounce this new guy's name. Is it Chapek? Chapek? Oh, gosh. Um, I'd say Chapek, but that's probably quite a British We, we can call him Bob 2.0. Yeah, call him Bob 2.0. Um, I like that. Awesome. <laughs> so there, this is from Variety. A 27-year Disney veteran who heads the company's parks division has been named CEO of Disney, succeeding Bob Iger. The timing of the news and the selection of Chapek 2.0. <laughs> Just say Bob 2.0, Kirsty. Commit to it. <laughs> Sorry. came as a big surprise on Tuesday afternoon to many in the entertainment industry. Iger will continue as Disney chairman through the end of his contract on December 31st, 2021. Disney said Iger would continue to lead the company's creative endeavours. Bob 2.0 takes the helm as CEO as of today. His contract runs through February 28th, 2023. He will join the board of directors at a later date, Disney said. With the successful launch of Disney's direct-to-consumer businesses and the integration of 20... 20- 21st Century Fox well underway I believe this is the optimal time to transition to a new CEO (laughs) I guess said in a statement I have the utmost confidence in Bob (laughs) Bob 2.0 and look forward to working closely with him over the next 22 months as he assumes this new role and delves deeper into Disney's multifaceted global business and operations while I continue to focus on the company's creative endeavours sorry it's so funny that's a statement that fills me with dread yeah (laughs) This is like the, me to the bone. This is the ultimate corporate speak, and yeah, oh, of course God. it is. It's a press release, um, but yeah, it's. Oh, funny. You, you better believe that these people actually talk like this. If you're a CEO and you've been in business for decades, that is how you talk <laughs> at work. It's very strange. Yeah, I I, lo- I love the idea of him just being at dinner with his wife and just talking about our multifaceted global business. <laughs> it's like oh Bob, oh, no. Bob, Bob, Bob. Um, yeah, so this was a bit of a shocker because I think people knew he was going to retire at the end of next year, but the fact that he did it a bit early, but with this vaguely insidious suggestion that he's going to retain control of the creative endeavours is quite fascinating to me. What do you make of this, Kirsty? Um, Honestly, my first reaction was that I hope everyone's okay mm. because a, a quick, like you say, it was really sudden and it's not the end of his contract yet. So I'm like, I hope that everyone's okay health-wise. Yeah, you know? sure. Um, aside from that, I'm, I don't know how creatively involved he has been. I think that's been kind of up for debate regarding stuff like The Rise of Skywalker, right? There have been questions about how involved people at Disney were. Um, I think there are rumours that JJ was on the phone to Iger a lot. So. Right. I, I don't know. I, I just find it interesting that that's what he's going to do now. Uh, I don't know much about this Bob 2.0. Apart from that, he was part of the Parks Division, has apparently been responsible for a lot of the cuts in that area. Right. People don't people don't seem to love him. Mm. But he also has a really short contract, so it seems to be kind of like an interim thing until they find someone else. Right, okay. That would or make sense. maybe just see how it goes. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess... When I like looked into this Bob 2.0 character, like the main thing it reminded me of was, oh yeah, Disney is a really big offering, isn't it? Because I think for you and me, Kirsty, the main aspect of Disney we're interested in is the movies, obviously specifically Lucasfilm. Um, but yeah, Disney is all this merchandise, the theme parks, there's all these different aspects to it because it is a multifaceted global company. As, um, yeah, Bob um, they says. have... ABC and ESPN, all sorts that aren't even what we think of typically as Disney. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah there's a lot there so when i say you know i'm interested to see what Iger's going to do creatively and like bring up the rise of skywalker i don't mean that that has anything to do with these choices being made mm, yeah. um i think he we don't know why he's stepping down but of course he was going to but it's just a little earlier so you have to wonder why but we probably won't ever get an answer to that because it's not our business yeah I could see it as him freeing himself up to actually be a bit more like hands-on in like determining what movies we're going to make, what stories we're going to tell, like with that sort of area. And again, this is complete speculation. I know nothing about this man, and I know very little about huge multinational businesses. Um, but yeah, I'd imagine that when you have responsibility for the entire company in like TV networks and theme parks and merch and stuff, you're going to be involved when they're making like movies with 200 million dollar budgets of course you are but you're not going to be that involved and if that's what you're actually interested in or perhaps most interested in then yeah I could understand wanting to use your last slice of time involved in the company to get a bit more involved with that side of it um that might just be naive Bob Iger might have very little interest in determining which stories they're telling um but yeah it'll be interesting to see if there are any seismic shifts shall we say like at Lucasfilm in the wake of this so yeah the next few months will be interesting basically yeah I don't I, I don't know I don't know what to think about Iger in terms of creativity because mm. all I have to go on is of course Star Wars and um, Twin Peaks back when he was at ABC which he made some terrible choices with that show mm. He was the one who who pushed Lynch into revealing who killed Laura Power, which I don't think was ever the point of that show, and it really no. suffered as a result. <laughs> you mean you didn't love seeing James have an affair with a bald housewife? Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. I loved that show, and what... <laughs> season two is very interesting. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I think Iger, he spoke about this in his memoir that was released recently, and I think he did recognise that he made some mistakes... Um, and of course that was a long time ago Twin Peaks was a totally different beast but um, yeah it just makes me interested to see how he gets involved creatively yeah like it doesn't fill me with joy let me say the idea of him potentially getting more involved with the creative side but yeah we can only wait and see on that front my my heart Mm -hmm. trembles Okay, cool. So then we're going to round off the show with a few listener questions. So thanks very much to the people who sent them in. Um, if you ever want to ask us a question, you can submit your question to scavengershorde at gmail.com or you can contact us on Twitter at scavengershorde. So the first one was sent in to me on Tumblr from Dyad Wars, which is a great name. Um, Hello, Scavengers Horde. Do you think that Lucasfilm will fill in the gap between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker further with comics or even another show? Or do you think that they are fully moving on from the sequel trilogy, at least for the next few years? I know that they will be focusing on High Republic stuff. Thank you for such a great podcast. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so I know we touched upon this earlier, Kirsty, but yeah, what do you think about this? I do think they'll absolutely fill in the gap. I'm just not sure when. Mm, Yeah, that's my feeling. So clearly very focused on High Republic for the time being. And I don't know, I'm not sure how much they want to distract from that by putting out like other big chunks of storytelling that might divert attention away from the High Republic. Mm, Yeah, right now, I think that's probably the case. 
Um, but I mean, it just there's there's always a lot of stuff going on, right? We have the Clone Wars coming out right now. By the end of this year, we'll have the Mandalorian season two. Is the Cassian show scheduled for the year after that? The Cassian show seems like a mess. So I don't <laughs> well, know. I have no idea. I, I haven't heard anything about it. Has there been anything else coming out about it? Um, I've just heard lots of like staff and changes and like, oh. creative like mix-ups and stuff. <laughs> of so, course. <laughs> yeah, it's a typical Lucasfilm, basically. I should, ju- I should just assume that that's what's going on, right? Yeah, it, um, it's just a mess because it's meant to be about obviously it's meant to be about Cassian in the era before Rogue One because he dies in Rogue One so it can hardly yeah. take place after but he's getting older and older how much longer is he going to be able to pass himself off <laughs> yeah oh they have all sorts of technology don't they I don't... yeah yeah it's true sorry um that was a digression um yeah but I really hope they do come back to that era because I think that's a very interesting year between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker and I have so many questions like I want to find out what exactly was going on with Rey and Kylo for example in that time so it's my perception that they probably were having these false connections like in that year but yeah we're not going to know that until we get stories set in that part of the timeline Mm-hmm. yeah and I just... <laughs> I would really like them to make more sense of everything else that's going on in terms of the wider scale of the war. Mm. What the hell is the final order about? I still, I don't know. I don't know if they can rectify some of it, to be honest, because some of it is just too ridiculous, even by Star Wars standards. And you'll know, I know that Star Wars is a fairy tale, so I can suspend my disbelief about all sorts of things. Yeah. Like, that's not the issue. It's when things just do, like, you just don't buy into it and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. And that happened to me very early on <laughs> watching The Rise of Skywalker. I was like, oh no, I'm not buying this. Yeah. Um, For whatever reason. But if you bring a skilled storyteller in to fill in the gaps and maybe tighten things up a little bit, who knows? They could work magic. So. Yeah, exactly. It just takes the right story of a very talented person behind it. So, yeah, we will see. Um, okay, cool. So then the other question was sent in from Twitter by Jedi Geek Girl, Rebel Podcaster. It's another great name. Uh, would you like to read out their question, Kirsty? Yeah, she says, with how divided the fandom has been with the sequel trilogy, do you think this era is enough to unite and or get people back in time, or will it grow the gaps even farther? She's talking about the High Republic era, I think. Mm. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think you can ever unite the fan base. <laughs> And it speaks to how vast the the fan base is and how devoted it is as well. People are incredibly passionate about whatever their corner of Star Wars is. For better and for worse, sometimes, lots of the time, people can behave appallingly. Yeah. And I will never be okay with that part. But the passion, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but it just means that people really have these niches. So when you do announce something like the High Republic era, people are like, well, I wanted more of my favourite thing. Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is totally understandable, but sometimes, you know, you can create new things and then that will be people's favourite things. Before 2015, I didn't think the sequel trilogy, I had no expectations for it. I wasn't a fan of J.J. Abrams. I was like, oh, I'm not not sure about them creating new Star Wars, especially in the Disney. I wasn't like a Disney hater, but I was just sceptical. And it really surprised me how grabbed I was by these characters and this premise of the story. So don't don't write it off but i get why some people won't be ready to be invested in something else from lucasfilm so quickly because they're still feeling kind of that burn from 
from the sequel trilogy if they do feel let down by things i totally get it so if you're not into it if you don't feel like you're ready for more just take a step back there's lots of other things to go and enjoy but in terms of it uniting the fan base i don't think that's ever going to happen yeah um it's very much a generational thing as well i think and of course in the way that online fandoms connect and this is not distinct to star wars it's just it's maybe amplified because it's so big and it's been going on for so long you do get a lot of intra intergenerational debates going on that are like not so much about the thing itself but about wider things going on in culture and people's lives Mm. Uh, even if that's not consciously acknowledged on the surface i think that that was going on a lot with the depiction of luke in the last jedi yeah even if people didn't realize that i think that was why a lot of people's feelings were hurt that they felt put to the side or that they were being depicted as the embittered old (laughs) old yeah just not not the central character anymore i think that was hard for people so yeah i i think that's all really well stated i don't have much to add i think the only thing i'd say is i feel like high republic's in pretty safe ground so i think the worst way that people will feel about it is that they'll just be kind of indifferent you know i don't really see people being like outraged about the high republic unless they're <laughs> assholes who are against like diversity i was gonna say I'm that is already that. happening that's their brand unfortunately which is really shitty and unfortunately it just seems inevitable unfortunately and i don't even really count those people as fans to be honest even no if they because count it's not yeah you're right they're not because it's not about the story for them it's like they would not be happy unless literally every character was a straight white man yeah which is just bizarre because that's not even what the original trilogy is uh, uh, yeah it's it's a crazy political thing for those guys unfortunately exactly it's just like blowing a dog whistle basically they're just instantly riled up the moment they hear certain words and it's pathetic um but yeah i think besides those people i think the worst way that people are going to feel about the high republic is just feel a bit indifferent and be like this isn't for me and just move on you know i think but hopefully, if it's really good and it proves itself on its own terms, people will become passionate about it and fall in love with that story. And other people will be like, cool, I see that you're passionate and you're enjoying the story and that's great. No, be good, like, enjoy it. And yeah, that'd be a good outcome. So I'd like for something like that to happen. But yeah, we'll only know when the actual stories come out. They might completely rip the cannon out from the inside and people might be beside themselves over all the injustices <laughs> it's created. Um, so yeah, we will see. Yeah, do it. Bring on the chaos. <laughs> oh, you love drama, don't you, Kirsty? <laughs> well, it might be kind of funny if it's over something that I'm not emotionally invested in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's true. If you can be like a distant observer, that would be quite good. Um, okay, awesome. So I think we should wrap up the show. I'm Rachel, and you can find me on Stars Nonsense on Tumblr. I'm Kirsty, and you can find me at Bastila Bay on Tumblr. And you can find both of us on Twitter at Scavengers Horde. Until next time, bye! Bye!